on this episode. I like interesting, unusual stuff. Which, like Swan Song. Like Swan yes. Song. Swan Song is, I got a script from Mr. Todd Stevenson. And I read the script, I like it. And I said, I want to meet you. You have to come to Palm Springs. From the coveted corner booth in a little bar in the center of the Coachella Valley universe, welcome to another big conversation with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans, and we continue our third season. Hard to believe that we've been renewed for a third season well, renewed almost makes it sound like there was something formal. I think what you mean is that they haven't told us not to come back. Well, not in so many words. Yeah, so we yeah. continue to show up. That voice is my uh, trusty co-host and sidekick. Sidekick. Randy Florence. Happy New Year to you, sir. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you. As we record this, and it won't play for a little bit, but as we record this, we're in the middle of a huge week here in the desert. The Palm Springs Film Festival is here. And you're going to be involved in that in several ways. Yeah, I'm involved every year. We've been on the red carpet. Uh, and actually, that is where I met today's guest. Because Udo Kier, who has been in well over 200 movies in his career, is uh, a Palm Springs resident but international citizen of the world. And he comes to the film festival each year and... Uh, I have the pleasure of interviewing you each year on the red carpet. Udo, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you for doing this. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome. And when I go to the festival, I only talk to you. <laughs> so when I get out of the car, I wave a little bit to my fans and sign something. And then I say, where's Patrick? And I look at you. Whoop, I go right there. And uh, there's more people, not only him. To, with cameras, but uh, only talk. I did want him. to. You're allowed to talk to other people. You don't have to talk to just Patrick. Of course, he just <laughs> wants I, to. Oh, he wants to. Okay, I, I was want to. If I, if I had to, maybe I wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Udo, thank you for being here. I've been uh, really excited about the meeting you today. My pleasure is for me also. You mentioned the festival. Uh, tomorrow is the Udo Kier Day in Palm Springs uh, and Patrick was even there when I got the star and Gas von Sand was talking and it's nice but I, there's nothing happened I mean it is tomorrow <laughs> I don't even get a free McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to treat you to a glass of wine on, on Little Bar today. Well, I say tomorrow we get him some McDonald's. But that, absolutely. No, 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 thank you. A, I just say it as a... Oh, got it. Okay. Yes. Uh, how many years ago did you get your star on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars? I think three years three ago. Three years ago. And yes, uh, you had done uh, a couple of films with Gus Van Zandt, correct? Yeah. And so he was, he was the featured speaker and had the opportunity to say very kind things about you. He also had the opportunity to say unkind things, which he did not. No, <laughs> but he, I owe him a lot. There's, there's few people I really owe a lot. One, the first one was in an airplane from Rome. I was living in Rome uh, to Munich, and there was a man sitting next to me. And hello, hey, hey, uh, what do you do for a living? 
Uh, I said, I'm an actor. My finger went to my photograph <laughs> and I saw <laughs> I showed him, and he said, interesting, give me your number. And he took out his American passport and wrote my telephone number on the last page. And there was no other number. So I was a little bit curious, and I said, so who are you? He said, my name is Paul Morrissey. I make movies for Andy Warhol. Wow. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call. Hey! Is Paul, you remember the man from the plane? I'm doing for Carlo Ponti in Rome, you know, the husband of Sophia Lorraine. I'm doing Frankenstein in 3D in the most beautiful studio called Cineshita, where Fellini, everybody worked. And I said, and he said, I have a little role for you. And I said, wow, thank you. What do I play? He said Frankenstein. <laughs> a little role. Just a, a little role. A so modest I became, part. I became Dr. Frankenstein. And then I'm not supposed... They had two films in one go. Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula. And I'm not supposed to be Dracula, only Frankenstein. And the last day of Frankenstein for me... Uh, I went to the cantina and Fellini was shooting and all these women with the biggest breasts I ever seen <laughs> and, and seven feet tall and I was sitting there with my wine and then I thought, well, Andy Warhol said, everybody is famous for 15 minutes. My 15 minutes, gone. Mm. And then Paul Morrissey came in and said, looked at the wine, because, you know. And he said, well, I guess we have a German Dracula. And I was really going crazy. I said, who? <laughs> he said, you. But you have to lose in one week about seven, eight pounds. I said, no problem. So I did not eat anymore, only uh, salad leaves and water. And when my first day of shooting came with the famous Victoria de Sica, who discovered actually Sophia Lorraine, uh, I couldn't walk. I, just, I had to be in a wheelchair. You were so weak from eating uh, salad. And they had to, <laughs> he had, they had to put me in. And Victoria de Sica was standing there and said, my home is your castle, my castle is your... <laughs> and then... Then I got up and I fall down, <laughs> and that so that's why I uh, owe him a lot. And talking about Gas van Sand, I was in Berlin for the festival, and Gas, very young, came to me and said, "Well, I made a movie here. You can see it. it's called Malanoche, and I made it for twenty thousand dollars, but." My next movie is with River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves, and I had never heard of them. But you live in Germany, you don't know the act young actors in America. And I thought, why do I feel lonely and they talk and talk and talk? No. He got me the work permit. We start writing letters to each other, very romantic, with an ink pen. <laughs> very poetic, not a stupid pen. And I came to America and went to uh, Portland 
and we made my own private Idaho. And it was River Phoenix was an amazing actor, yeah, was. amazing. And the thing was because I played a sugar daddy, they wanted me to pay all the time. <laughs> 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 and they got so they got a good salary, I guess. And when we went out in the evening, River said. My name was Hans in the movie. He said, Hans, pay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so then I liked it. The bears totally different from German films. Or, and then I stayed with a girlfriend of mine, Anna Dokopilova from Czech Republic. I stayed with her and... Uh, I had to go the next day, so my suitcase was already by the door with the ticket on top and some Kleenex <laughs> if I had to cry. <laughs> you were prepared. <laughs> I was well prepared. And then she said, why don't you stay here? I said, no. After a few glasses of wine, I said, Actually, not a bad idea. So I got an, <laughs> I got a room in Los Angeles for three hundred dollars, and I uh, from the editor, uh, he had a house. He uh, rented that for to me uh, in Silver Lake. So I stayed there. I bought myself a second-hand German Volkswagen, of course, <laughs> and I lived there. And then heavier. Udo, that movie, My Private Idaho, I mean, that's such an iconic movie. Did when it was over, did you under did you have a feeling for how important that movie was going to be? Well, I had a feeling that uh, our friend David, from the, the the film critic who is involved in the festival. He interviewed me, so I thought, well, he works for Newsweek, and he is interviewing me. So okay, <laughs> so I knew, I knew, and uh, Gas von Sand is an amazing director, and that and was really the film that put him on the map. Yeah, he made Malanotch, and then he did Drugstore Cowboy, which was good, but even with. Uh, the one I admired, William Bowers. I went to see him later. Uh, incredible man uh, in Texas, and I knew I knew not the result or how important, but I knew it was uh, different. And then I had to learn to be in Los Angeles to do audition, which I hate. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Uh, when people uh, they say stand up, turn round, and you feel like it's on the horse market, they're going to ask you how is your tea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I then uh, and then things came, and then people then uh, uh, for I went for an audition for uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Jim Carrey. And I went there, and I couldn't believe it to people, the, the actors. There was one because I supposed to play a billionaire 
who owns the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> but he collects fishes. So there was an actor just sitting there, and he had a glass like that, like I'm holding now a big wine glass, and there was a fish inside. <laughs> and I thought, my God, people, I should go home. This is ridiculous. And then I said to the actor, who I don't know who that was, I said, you know what kind of fish that is? He said, no, what do you mean? I said, that's a Japanese fighting fish. Don't put your finger in. <laughs> <laughs> and then they called me for the audition. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, and then they liked it, and they called and said, Jim Carrey wants to meet you tonight at eight o'clock at the office of Dino De Laurentiis. So I went there. I never seen Jim Carrey, and I had a ring on, like in the movie. I, I, I wear a ring in the story. And Jim Carrey comes to me, takes my hand, takes my ring off my hand. I said, what the fuck you think you're doing? And he said, okay, you got the wrong. <laughs> that's a great so that's, 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 You know, because they expected that. I say, yes, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> so that's how it all started with Jim Carrey, uh, Ace Ventura. And he's amazing comedian. Wow. Yeah. To have this energy, <laughs> it's unbelievable. He, he is truly a, just an incredible performer. It must have been amazing to be on set and just feel no, that first, energy. First, when you see him, you think he is going in that scene over the top, but he is like that all the time. <laughs> That's how he it's lives. Always, ha, ha! It's always <laughs> like so much emotion, and yeah, that's. So you made over 200 films, and in, in, in the last couple of minutes we've talked about uh, My Private Idaho yeah. and Ace Ventura. Yeah. Pretty wide gamut there in terms of film quality. And well, such. Not to mention Frankenstein and Dracula. Yeah, Frankenstein and Dr Dracula. Which, for, for many years, you, you kind of were locked in these uh, kind of interesting horror movie roles in, in Europe. You did a lot of that, right? Well, first of all, I'm German. Right. So I have to play Adolf Hitler <laughs> yes. a long time. How many times have you... Is it four? No, the new show with Al Pacino, Hunters. I'm 90 years old, a little shaky. Uh, live in Argentina. And then uh, the Hunters find me. And I... I you, also important is that in Germany, when I started that I worked with Fassbinder, Wim Wenders, right. Werner Herzog. They were all directors who had an amazing quality uh, of directing. And I worked with them. So America was what I wanted. So you, you got to the point quickly where you pretty much could pick and choose what you wanted to do. So how did you choose? What was important to you? Well, if I read a script and uh, I'm in page one and in page 125, I get interested. <laughs> if I'm at the beginning... This is a job go, I'm going to take. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I go by scripts. I get scripts now in our days and people, and people they send me a script yeah, and they say, only you can play it. 
and then I read it, and I think, what the fuck? Anybody who can talk <laughs> and walk can play that role. <laughs> but I just say, because they like the, the name to get financing for right. their movie. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in unusual yes. things. Like now, I may, may do a film in Morocco with a Mexican director. Uh, you know, it's La Omar uh, uh, Lopez. And it's a story by, that's why I got interested, by Stephen Balls. So if you got a script, a short story by Stephen Balls, who was Visconti made a film, Bertolucci made a film about his stories. So that's what I'm going to do next. In uh, hopefully the, I don't know, it's not financed yet, but I like interesting, unusual stuff, which like Swan Song, like Swan yes. Song. Swan Song is I got a script from Mr. Todd Stevenson, and I read the script. I like it, and I said I want to meet you. You have to come to Palm Springs, and he came. I. And then, then it, I said to him, look, I like the script, but let's not do any cliché. I don't want to go like, yes, darling. <laughs> oh, you're such a bitch. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, I don't want to go that direction. It's just an old hairdresser who was very famous. You know, and I, I said, who is playing the women? Uh, Linda Evans. That's amazing. Uh, Jennifer Cooley. I said, uh, I knew, of course. Uh, I said, okay. And then we made the movie, and I said, when I went to a little town, Sindaski, and uh, I said, I want to stay first two or three days in the retirement home on my own. No camera, nobody's allowed to talk to me. I want to taste. Uh, how the bed mattress is. I want to see what is all, all the thing. I want to stand by the window, seeing the tree with the birds. And he said, okay. So that's how we did it. Uh, I wanted to shoot as chronological as possible, you know, because it's important. And so that's why Swan Song, I got the most... Um, well, I can tell you, I got the most awards I ever got. I was nominated for the Spirit Award for Best Acting. I got Monte Carlo, I got Dublin, all over. But you see, in America, it didn't do better than it should have done because there wasn't any money. It cost a lot of money. Even if you, uh, as an actor, it costs so much money to have a page in variety saying for for you consideration right udo kia swan so they didn't have the money for that the marketing is a huge expense after the yeah. film is made to to, to for get everybody yeah it's like you know but uh, i'm happy well it's so a, it's, it's a great piece of work i mean it's such a it, it, you say you're attracted to unusual. It is such a quirky, interesting film. Yes, and the director, 
uh, uh, including myself, were very happy that we did it that way. And not, <laughs> right. I said to the director, I said, Todd, at the end, I'm dancing with a chandelier on my head. What can be more gay than that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you know. perfect. <laughs> You've done some uh, voiceover in your career. And, and one of the things that I mentioned to my granddaughter was that you had done some voiceover in, the, let me make sure I got that, in Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, I like Professor that. Pericles. The bird, the evil bird. Yes. Yeah, I did that for a year. And I did also video games like uh, what they were all called. Uh, the video game Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty, sure. I did that, of course, playing the most evil man. <laughs> what else? <laughs> you know. And now I'm doing, at the moment... Uh, the biggest uh, Japanese game. I ha I worked in Serbia. Video game, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. But the biggest one, right? Hideo is the biggest uh, video person in uh, Japan, and I was <coughs> really uh, surprised because they said I I worked only uh, one day. And I had to stand in a tent of light and cameras. And I was in the middle and I had yeah. these lines. And then they went home and I'm uh, animated. But I, when I saw it, my agent, my manager, I said, it's, it's me. he said, it's not you. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I know if it's me or not in a close-up, it's not me. The voice, yes, because, but uh, but it was computer generated. Yeah, and wow. that is wow. the future. Yes, it is. And that's why a lot of my colleagues did strike, and they were right. right. I supported that totally, because for me, of course, I <coughs> after all these years, I have strong contracts. But if you are just an actor who wants to work and you accept for a couple of hundred dollars to work one day and they have the rights for a lifetime. So they can, after you're dead, they can still make a movie with you. <laughs> scary. That is it's really, really scary. scary. And uh, no, I was, <laughs> I was pleased to see, you know, we're grappling with AI, but it's, it's very important for actors yeah. To, to own their likeness and image yeah. and, and so that the studios do not. Uh, I have it in my contract also for the game. Uh, they cannot do uh, anything. It's called, the good thing is typical for me, the game is called OD, <laughs> Overdose. <yes. laughs> you know, we were talking before we started recording, but uh, you came from uh, the World War II era, Coming, you were born in Cologne, Germany, correct? Yeah. And you told a, a really fascinating story about uh, your mother uh, at the hospital right after your birth. And walk us through that because it was a, a very harrowing time. The story was that uh, my mother was engaged during the war. She was a very good-looking woman. And then in the, some officer told her, 
you know that he is married and has three children. My mother said no. And then was the day she was pregnant that uh, she had to go to a hospital. And then the, the ambulance took her to the hospital and I was born. And then there was, I mean, still the war. And then there was an, that the nurse collected all the newborn babies to clean them up because they had the blood and slime and blood. Later I used slime and blood for horror movies, but that wasn't horror. That was the moment. <laughs> it was real life. Was real life I was born. And then uh, my mother told me, I think I was 15 or 16, that uh, the nurse took my mother said, oh, could I have him a little bit longer? And the nurse said, okay. So she took all the other babies on a table in the middle of the uh, room there in the hospital. And then came, my mother told me that, then came alarm and the wall came down oh. and the nurse to protect all the newborn babies jumped over them and everything just blood and dead. And my mother was lucky that her bed was in a corner and that's why she was more she, the bed was still there and she and me so then she made with one hand holding me with the other hand she made through the gravel uh, a hole and was waving and sometimes today when i don't feel well i have this imagination of seeing a, on a big mountain of gravel and a hand is and screaming, my hair coming up, yep. uh, and that was what she taught me. That was the first moment I uh, was born, and lucky uh, to survive. You yeah. you grew up in tough circumstances, uh, obviously, an interesting relationship with whoever your father was at that time. How did this, and poor, you talked also before the podcast about the fact that you grew up without hot water until you were yep. 17 years old. Wow. How did this all kind of form where you went? Did any of this play a part? Well, you see me. I'm drinking white wine. <laughs> so you just drink a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm uh, okay. I never made it an issue. You just kept working. I, it was it was happened around me and I, you know, there was no other way. What could I have done? So when you were uh, 18, you moved to London. You went to London. 17. 17. Uh, what, what made you decide to do that? What, to why? learn English. That was the whole purpose. That's why I went on Oxford Street, St. Giles School. I went there. And I couldn't believe, because I didn't understand, it took me a long time when the British people always say, oh, uh, it's a nice day, isn't it? And always this questioning, you're from Germany, aren't you? I said, why they always put that sentence at the end? And uh, yeah, I learned uh, English, I stayed away from the other foreigners because I wanted to learn and I did uh, and then uh, one day uh, uh, a guy young Mike Sarn 
he was a known singer. He came to me in a coffee bar, said, I'm doing a movie. I would like you to be in my movie. And I said, how? I don't know how to do that. He said, <laughs> leave it up to us. And then we made the movie in south of France. The film was called Road to Saint-Tropez. And then uh, I did what they wanted me to do. And I came out of the water uh, looking and I thought, why is the camera so far away? But what I didn't know that I was in close-up in Cinemascope, and then the press wrote, uh, I was on the cover right away, and uh, the new phase of cinema, and uh, as a young man being in London, you know, having imbuses at Piccadilly little places, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, very happy, and then I got a contract with William Morris, the biggest agency in the world. And that was the beginning. Did your mom get to see all this? No, my mom had, I got her out of that place. The moment I made money, she had a house. Mm. And the thing was that she, uh, he, she collected all the newspaper articles of me in her handbag. And when she went to the local town, to go to the bootshop or somewhere. <laughs> it took hours. <laughs> she, an article. Just, just showing she, she showed all the neighbors, uh, my son, my son. And no, I, I did. She got a uh, good life. After I did, that was my priority. I drove, of course, when I made money right away, an Austin Haley and a Jaguar E-Type, <laughs> I needed the attention. At the gas station, when they came to me, they said, Oh, that's a great car, man. <laughs> Could you see the engine? <laughs> so yeah, move back, move back. <laughs> this so is a little bit of a recurring theme. You you said when, when, you know, when, when the press clippings came out and you were on the cover, you liked the attention. And that was one of the of things course. that drew you into the acting. First, now, first you're disturbed. When you go <laughs> to a restaurant and people say, we saw your movie, but you were amazing. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. How amazing. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> what did you like the most? Have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, it's like, and I was, uh, and there was a nightclub in London called Denny LaRue. And I wanted to go there and I said, so I had no money. So when I had a little money, I went there and I was sitting in that nightclub and the waiter came to me and said, Mr. Visconti would like to invite you for a glass of champagne. And I never had heard the name Visconti. So I said to the waiter, can you tell the gentleman to come himself? Why does he send you? So Visconti came. I have pictures of that. Uh, Visconti came and said, hello, uh, I'm with my friend Nureyev, well, Rudolph. best dancer, uh, and we're having a glass of champagne. We would like that you join us. And I said, okay. 
So I went there, and uh, I have a picture at home where on one side Visconti is hanging here, Nureyev is hanging on that side, and <laughs> it was very strange. And there was a very good-looking young German-speaking man, Helmut Berger. And I said to him, uh, we can speak German, no, you're German. He said, I'm not German, I'm Austrian. <laughs> and I wanted to say, fuck you, but I didn't. <laughs> So, well, maybe you just did. <laughs> maybe I said it's so soft that nobody yeah, heard it. Right. <laughs> but that was, uh, you know, that's how I met Visconti. I mean, later on, of course, I know exactly who, who he was. But at that moment, I didn't know Visconti. No way of the world's number one dancer. And Visconti was directing in London... Margot Fontaine and Nureyev in Romeo and Juliet. Wow. Oh. That's why they all were there at that nightclub. Wow. Next question. <laughs> I read a couple of quotes. One of them was, you're all about the desert now. You love the desert. What's your history with the Coachella Valley? When did you come here first? I came here uh, first with a friend of mine and I was uh, amazed it wasn't that cold that this old elder man were wearing fur coat and had a martini glass <laughs> and that was the first time you met Patrick <laughs> I, know, I no longer wear the fur coat that was much before <clears throat> so I liked it and what I like also today is Los Angeles has become so aggressive the way when you drive in Los Angeles and you just drive a little slow because you want to see something they come somewhere with a car what the fuck you doing yeah. drive the car yeah. I said, oh yeah 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 and it's too aggressive for me here it is wonderful good restaurants and the women get younger every year. <laughs> now, you have an amazing home in Palm Springs. Tell us about the history of the house. Uh, which house? The, the, the library? House. Yes, the library. So I had, I bought a little house, which I still have, my guest house. But that was the period when the house cost $120,000. <laughs> That's what I paid. And then one day, I went to the park. I rescued dogs. So I had three or four dogs. I had uh, the first dog was Kimba, the female uh, uh, king. Then I had a, p a pit bull mix. was called Greta Garbo. <laughs> then <laughs> a pit bull named Greta I Garbo. Had a, I had a black dog. was Bobby Brown. And then I had one dog with one blue eye. His name was Blue. And now I have Liza Minelli. <laughs> and so I went from my little house to the park by the fire station. And there was this building. And they had covered Crocker Library. You know who Mr. Crocker was? Mm -hmm. He was the one who did the, the thing to go up the hill. The tram. The tram. Yeah, he yeah. was the inventor. Yeah, he was the father of the tram. And that's why they named the street after him. Francis 
and the library. But after the library, it became a daycare center. So they had covered with a piece of wood, just saying whatever. And I saw that, and there was a sign on the earth, written with red, like it felt like Rocky Horror Picture Show because <laughs> it was running all down. So I called the number, uh, and they said library. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I must have the wrong number. They said, no, why are you calling? I said, the building in the park, is it still for sale? Yes. I said, can I see it? They said, when? I said, now. <laughs> so they came, a woman, we became friends. She was a French lady, she died, unfortunately. And I looked inside, and I said, is the roof okay? Yes. Air condition? Yes. I said, okay, I'll buy it. And the house, the library was on the market for 250,000. Albert Frey building oh, with, with one acre of land. And Good I gracious. said, okay. So I went with her to the city hall, gave her a check for $10,000. And I thought the library was mine. <laughs> no, I went to make a stupid movie with, uh, what's her name? The, uh, she was married to Sylvester Stallone, oh. the blonde one. Well, we all know. <laughs> we know who she is. What's her name? That wasn't Bridget, Bridget Nielsen, Nielsen, was it? Why don't you say oh. it? Bridget, Bridget Nielsen, yeah. So yeah. Bridget Nielsen, yeah. she played my wife, and we made a film in the Philippines, and I got a note that... Uh, the house is going to be a bit, uh, a bit. Uh, how do you call that? Uh, Auctioned. Auction. Oh, so they were. And put I it up. said to my friend, "How can that be? I gave ten thousand dollars. There wasn't anybody else." So I did uh, accept the auction, and uh, yeah, and then I learned something, which a lot of friends of mine copy now maybe i shouldn't tell you nobody's listening to this they're, they're <laughs> copying that because it was 250 which i wanted but now sealed bid for people and i called a friend of mine who's a, a good lawyer and i said how i'm going to do that he said to me so how how much can you pay i said 300 he said, okay, put in your uh, contract uh, 253 and 1,000 more over any bit till 300. And that's how I got it. A lot of friends of mine did copy that now. That's a great strategy. That's a really good strategy. No, because it's the best. Because people, you see a house, like my house in Morongo, you see a house and it's... 65,000, you lose it. So the real estate agent say, okay, I say, put 80 down. And then you find out later it was only 61. <laughs> right. And then you say, fuck it. I <laughs> gave it. <laughs> but the realtor got commission on the 80. There you go. <laughs> Next question. 
you were t- well, the last time uh, I saw you before Christmas. You have connections to uh, at least two of our previous guests. One, Michael Childers. Yeah, and he, uh, Ron Oliver and Ron Oliver. But tell us, let's start with with Michael because you say he is uh, one of your longest and dearest friends. He is. Well, uh, well, friends, the dearest friend. I wouldn't use that word, <laughs> but but friend. <laughs> but you've known him for since you were uh, both teenagers. I know him for uh, yeah longer than fifty years. I hadn't made a movie. I was he met me when I don't know how I forgot. He met me at a party in London, and he invited me to the house of John Schlesinger and him, and I went there, and that's how I met them. Wow. Had nothing to do with movies. Never. And then uh, I went here uh, to, uh, off to the house of uh, John and Michael, and John was already very ill, couldn't talk anymore, and in a wheelchair. And it was a lot of people came, Julie Christie, they all came there because they had worked with him in great movies, so they all came to support. And then uh, I saw also, I forgot, a tanga had actually crossed the street when John got a star. And he was already, you know. Now, I know that I know them, and I stayed, of course, in contact with Michael, because he's very involved in the film festival also. And he's a, a nice man. And Ron Oliver, who was a guest of ours, uh, terrific. But you have a very special relationship with Ron. Well, Ron, first of all, he's a neighbor. He's my neighbor. I can walk in three minutes to his house. So I live here, and he lives on Francis Street. I live in the library. And we met in Los Angeles, and then he moved here. And later on, I made... uh, Beethoven's nephew, I had a play a rich man, uh, yeah, and I like him very much because he writes amazing a lot of scripts. It's not only the movies he directs, which he also write, but there's also a lot of scripts. He's which very he prolific as a writer. Yeah, and he's a, a nice man, and. You actually married. I know, that that is another story. The story was, I went to the house, and then him and his partner said, we want that uh, you marry us. And I said, how can I do that? He said, just give me your social security number. (laughs) So I gave... And your ATM pin number. I gave the partner my social security number. Two weeks later, I got a card, an invitation to marry people, any religion I want, <laughs> in the whole world. So I said, wow. So then uh, uh, Ron told me we're doing it Christmas Eve at Melvin's. And for me, it was interesting because I got all for research. I got all famous speeches from uh, Elvis Presley, from all that, and I made a combination. 
of all this famous, <laughs> and I was under a tree saying, and now That's you so can cool. kiss each other. <laughs> Could you imagine being a guest at that wedding and all it of a sudden Udo stands up to be the officiant? That's pretty cool. It was great. And uh, <laughs> since then, that's 10 years ago. Because we did, last week, we did uh, dinner at Melvin's uh, 10 years. A time goes yes, it does. by so fast. And the older you get, the quicker it goes. <laughs> and is, uh, I married them 10 years ago. And Ron did almost, except for the COVID, yeah, he did always uh, a party for about, I would say, 40 or 50 people. And then there's always the piano player. And it's wonderful because the girls who work there, they get younger every year. <laughs> and... <laughs> And Ron doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't. We all don't care. Why you look at your watch? You told me you have time. Uh, he's driving. He's driving, and, that's right. And then, uh, yeah, we did it. And it's nice to see nice people there, which you see every year. And, of course, people slow down a little bit and they go to the table, but that's normal. Uh, yeah, I like him. I like him and his partner. Eric, yes, there, there. And he has, uh, and Ron has a lot of knowledge about movies. And now he's a couple, two years, three years ago, they invited me both to. They always stay at the Plaza in New York, and they invited me there to come for a couple of days to the plaza, so I was in my own suite, of course. No, they're very nice. Not That's not why they're nice. But, they're, but it didn't hurt. <laughs> they're, no, they're, they're very nice. And they're very well informed. Also, you know, it's like, I think he will get, soon he will get a star. Yeah, he's a sharp, sharp he, and he, funny. He funny deserves man. what... Oh, we, we had we had cocktails before Christmas. Uh, it was Udo and Eric and, and Ron. You must say where? Oh, at Evening Citizen. Evening Citizen? is a speakeasy in Palm Springs. Uh, you go through the back door, and when you walk in, it's a very dark bar, and there is a very well-illuminated giant portrait of Udo. <laughs> Who is the evening citizen? How did ask the mafia boss? <laughs> On my finger, a diamond, and I look at the people like that. I have to see that. Oh no, it's fantastic! It's great, it, but black wallpaper. Yeah, it's black wallpaper, and it's it's an old school speakeasy. But it is very funny, especially if you're sitting there with Udo and his portrait is staring at you. It's it's a little. But you guys were talking about a movie, and Ron has an encyclopedic knowledge of many movies, but including yours. There was a movie you did where, and I, I, I was listening to the conversation, there was this very strange scene where you were like birthed. Do you remember? Ah, well, that's, tell, tell me that's that, one of the best directors in the world. Tell us that story and tell it's, us about uh, that movie. I, okay, another story. Could you uh, order me one more? Another story. I was, I'm a lucky man. Number one. 
I have never forced, I've never said to David Lynch, I want to work with you when I had dinner with him and Isabella Rossellini. I have never asked the director. The only thing I say, I like your movies. Mm. But I imagine if you say, I would like to work with you, and they say, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I would go under the table. <laughs> Thanks. And so... Uh, I was invited in Mannheim, a little town in uh, Germany, thank you, near uh, Frankfurt. And there was a movie of a new director, Lars von Trier, uh, uh, called The Element of Crime. And I went there and we were all sitting, he wasn't there. And we were always sitting there and I, my film was short film I made in competition and I saw his film and I said to all the American directors well we can go home what do you mean I said whoever made that film is going to get the first prize he did and then I said to the festival director Faye I said to her there's one person I would like to meet Lars von Trier ah he's coming tomorrow I said, can you arrange that we meet? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I met Lars von Trier, which is one of the best directors in the world. And uh, we had a beer, and then we talked, and uh, I, uh, uh, we exchanged our numbers. And then a couple of weeks later, he called me and said, I'm doing Medea a script by Carl Theodor Dreyer and I want that you play her husband but there is a problem. I said, what is the problem? He said, you don't look like a Viking. Uh, he said, don't shave anymore for three weeks, don't wash your hair and come to Denmark because I have to sell you to the producers as the king of the Viking. Wow. I looked uh, in the airplane, the people were <laughs> moving away from me. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, <laughs> they looked all out of the window. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so I got the movie, I made the movie. And anyway, I worked with him 30 years. I did, uh, I did with him Breaking the Waves with uh, Emily Watson. I did uh, with Björk, uh, Dancer in the Dark. I did all his films. And the, la the last film which I did for 20 years was called The Kingdom. And I'm the only actor in the world who is born on screen. So they built that big model of that naked woman. Uh, and I was in her stomach, I had to climb in. And I was on a piece of wood with four wheels and all blood and slime over me. And then and Lars said to me, we cannot rehearse that because the, the model cost a fortune. I said, just say loud action. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the stomach and then I heard action and I couldn't get out. So I thought, fuck, what is that? So I went with my legs back with the little wheel and then boom! And I came out, just my head comes between the two legs, and I just go like, <laughs> <laughs> So I'm the only actor in the world 
who was born on screen. Wow. Well, yep. this is kind of typecast because it sounds like the way he was really born. It was <laughs> His mom reaching through the gravel. <laughs> Well, they, he gets cast as as as, uh, as a wealthy. Did you notice the theme? Uh, frequently, the wealthy gentleman. Yes, yeah. not surprised. But uh, he is a. Uh, what? You give <laughs> as a sign five minutes. You must be joking. <laughs> <laughs> this is just episode one, Udo. <laughs> ah. So now you have to go like that. Ah, that's episode four. So I'm going to be on the radio for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick would acting like no if you'd like to sit here Why? so that I could go home. Because he's been looking for a new co-host for the last year. No, no, no. He's staying here. Oh, okay. If I'm staying here, he is staying here. He got me here. It's all your Next I, question. That, no, I just love that story about that, that birth scene. because, uh, And I love that they told you just last minute. By the way, it's one take. No rehearsals. No. Go. <laughs> It couldn't because if uh, if I would have uh, gone back, they had to fix the legs and because it was uh, I mean uh, it was what it was. It was pussy pussy cut. <laughs> <laughs> the first reference to that in forty something episodes. There we go. I love that, Udo. I, I I'm a retired banker. Do <laughs> what? I was a banker my whole okay, life. Okay, give me your number. I, well, I have no money. That's but why I'm no longer me, a banker. Maybe you can tell me how to invest. No, I can't help you. Look at me. Do you want investment advice from a guy doing a podcast? Well, the rich people bar? I know, they look like beggars. <laughs> like me. My point to that is, it amazes me that I get to sit across the table from people who I've admired for so many years. I really appreciate you being here in this pretty cool little location here and doing this podcast with us today yeah i thought that would be on camera no we, we uh Should we start over <laughs> we, we we can't videotape because of randy's indictments well what do you mean now everybody knows <laughs> what is indictment? no i'm kidding i'm kidding you know, we thought about doing a video part of the podcast but we just thought audio we just want to have a relaxed fun time and we don't want to make Randy dress up. Well, but you should have told me that. I would have not shaved and come here like I really look. <laughs> I actually cleaned up for this. Yeah, me too. You're kidding. <laughs> I thought there will be a light there and there. Anyway, well, some more questions? I'm done. You just said, uh, you, you touched on it at the beginning. I just want to, before we wrap up, uh, you've got a couple of projects in the works. So what can we look for next? What do you think is... There is two films which are coming out. One is called A Skeleton in the Closet. I met in Las Vegas with uh, Terrence Howard and the other black actor, Junior something. I oh, Cuba Gooding Junior. Yeah. And I like, you know, I like, uh, I like so much Las Vegas and I like to stay in the hotel where they have a casino. And when then people coming in from the street and whoa, uh, hey man, could I have another whiskey? <laughs> and then they go and play and they come back and they say, hello, could I have a whiskey? It's a lot different. I, li going I out like than that. It was yeah. In. yeah. No, we, I made that movie there, and there is uh, another movie which disappeared, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, 
it will come out one day, but you know, it costs so much money to make movies. It's not only the shooting, but it's only the editing, the music, so many uh, things. But but you obviously love the craft because you're at a point where I imagine you don't really have to do any more movies if you didn't want to. But you still obviously love l- I told love the you work. I have enough money to eat hamburgers for, <laughs> for two years, <laughs> couple of years. Well, no, but I like it. I like it. But I am trying to find still today something special. If somebody would tell me we're doing a film on the moon, I would be the first one oh. who'd be in the rocket and say, where's my costume? What do I wear? <laughs> well, you could find Udo on Hunters. Uh, that is streaming right now, correct? Hunters, Hunters yeah. is with Al Pacino. With Al Pacino. Wonderful actor. And, of course, if you've not seen Swan Song, I really encourage you to check that out. And there's so many great movies uh, that you've been a part of. But thank you for spending some time with us here on uh, our little, our big conversation at Little Bar. We appreciate it. Um, let me think an intelligent answer. <laughs> uh, Why, I didn't. We, you're welcome. <laughs> Udo just said, you're welcome. He did. That is just a fantastic afternoon with Udo (laughs) Kier right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans for Randy Florence and John McMullen. Thank you, guys, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Big Conversations Little Bar. Recorded on location at Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, California, the center of the Coachella Valley universe. This program is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System. All episodes are available from BigConversationsLittleBar.com or from most major podcast portals, including Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. (laughs) 